Normally, I've got a lot longer to talk than I do tonight. Um, but I'm glad we spent our time the way we have. That's right. That's good. And believe it or not, uh, this message was going to be one of the shorter in the series because I don't have a whole lot to say. There's one really fun part that I thought was helpful. Um, but this is good. If it's okay with you, I'm going to skip over our missional homework from last week. Right on. Uh, there will be time for conversation afterwards. If you uh, looked at your budget, did you find any space for missions? Uh, was there anything that you decided to sell uh, in order to, to give uh, the proceeds away? Um, was there anything that you learned about yourself in the process? You can talk about that after. But first, uh, seeking the best for our city. When we make conscious and committed decisions to seek the best for our neighborhoods and city, life flourishes not only for us, but for those whose lives we touch. There is this weird principle in the church and in the kingdom of God that is different than the rest of the world. The rest of the world says, okay, if I'm going to bless the rest of the world first, the blessing needs to come to me and it will flow through me. It's trickle-down economics. I get, I give. The way it works in the kingdom of God, I give away. I give, I bless. I seek first the kingdom of God. And then by some miraculous way, everything else is provided for us. When we look first, when we make the conscious decision to seek the best for our neighborhoods and cities, our neighbors and cities will flourish, and so will we. There's the the passage that Shane read, comes before that passage that a lot of us know. And again, if you're memorizing scripture and you want to put a a red jewel in the vase, that's what it's there for. If you've read scripture this week and want to put a, a stone in, that's great. But Jeremiah 29, 13. For I know the plans I have for you. 11 through 13. Uh, plans to give you a future and hope. Plans to, to prosper. 13 is, when you call to me, I will listen and I will hear from heaven and I will heal your land. But what people know, man. With all your heart. I haven't put a jewel in for that one. (laughs) Nice. See, she's not just beautiful. (laughs) Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7, and starting with verse 1. Jeremiah writes a letter to the exiles, to the people who God has transported. And they're likely thinking, God has abandoned us. What has just happened? We thought we were in the promised land. We thought God was going to take care of us, take care of our enemies. But the people of God stopped doing what the people of God were supposed to do. And this is the second time part of the people of God were wiped out and taken away. But here, Jeremiah, the prophet of the Lord, sends a letter that God dictates. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies The God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon. 
And if at this point you're one of the exiles, you've been shipped off and you hear that God sent a letter through one of the prophets, what do you want to hear? Put on the flak jacket, put on the helmet, because I'm coming in to get you, right? I'm going to take you back home right away. It's not what God says. Build homes. And plan to stay. Plant gardens. Eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply and do not dwindle. So now we need to stay. But God, I don't want to stay here. I like Jerusalem. I liked your holy city. I like being able to worship at that temple. Isn't that where you wanted us? These dirty Babylonians. They came in and they, they killed people. It was war. They, they tortured people. And as a follower of God, I would probably be feeling a little hurt. I would be wanting some divine retribution. Work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare will determine your welfare. I'm guessing that this is part of the reason why Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. People didn't want to hear this sort of message. They wanted to hear that God was going to take them back right away. It's not what he said. But there's a beautiful principle for us as followers of Jesus in our lifetime. The world that we're living in does not look like the world that our parents and grandparents lived in as far as the, the culture and how much it looks like Jesus, and we could fight against it, we could pray to God to take us out of it, or we could turn to this little known passage in Jeremiah 29 and say, hey, maybe my responsibility is to put down roots and learn to seek the welfare of the place I'm living now. to plant a garden, to spend time cultivating it, getting to know my neighbors as I do it, find a spouse for my child, and raise grandkids. That's part of God's will. Where is home for you? Is it the place where you're living, or is it someplace else? God wants you to recognize that you do have an eternal home in heaven. And I know people who have not invested here on earth because of their heavenly home in heaven. Those are people to whom, or about whom my dad says that they are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. <laughs> and God wants us to be of earthly good. And so as we're talking in this series of what it looks like to be a missional church, we are supposed to be like a good neighbor. Is there. 
State Farm called and asked me not to sing that. Um, <laughs> their lawyers will be in touch. Um, but part of the goal, part of the reason we do what we do, uh, again, part of the reason that we don't meet Sunday morning is if all the good Jesus-loving people are in church on Sunday morning, then just think of all the people who don't know Jesus. And where are they? They're out. They're walking the dog. They're, they're mowing the, the lawn. They're, they're reading the paper. Not in church. And so part of the reason that we don't meet Sunday mornings is so that from time to time you guys can be there with family, with friends who may not be walking with Jesus. And you can share life with them. You can invest in their lives and allow them to invest in yours. Because when they prosper, you prosper. When you bless them, you in turn are blessed. That's part of how God works, and that's what God wants for His church. For us to be salt and light. You are the light of the world. This city set on a hill cannot be hidden. But we're out there in the middle of a world that's dark. And our job is to shine. One of the things that I've talked about multiple times is the importance of getting to know people in our community. And I know that one of the the unique challenges of working with you is to be an extrovert, pastoring primarily introverts, and talking about evangelism. You and I evangelize differently. Most of you would not do what I'm doing very comfortably. Most of you would not be super comfortable standing in in front of 100 people sharing your testimony. But you don't have to. You might have the opportunity to. And if God invites you into that, I hope you'll say yes. But I do expect that you will evangelize in a way that fits you. So if you're an introvert, it's most likely going to be one-to-one or one-on-two. And I've heard from some of you that you don't know a whole lot of non-Christians. That's okay. We can change that. I was reading a book by some missionaries who work with Christian associates. And it was the most clear, straightforward description of how I meet people. That I thought, I look forward to teaching my introverts this thing. Because I think it really works. Because as I thought back of the times I've met strangers, and they become other than strangers... This works. So there are five steps. There, there are spaces in your bulletin. If you want to take down these notes, you may find them helpful. General rules of social interaction. I don't know if this Dan Steigerwald guy is a sociologist or what. He's written a couple books. He's a, he's a missiologist, um, and he, he uses big words like I do. Um, and so it's fun. So first of all, if you see someone at a favorite spot a few times, you have permission to give them... The nod. I, I don't know if, you know, Joe Calvillo has ever taught you some Spanish. You know, how, how do you say hi in, in Spanish? That's, you, you know, okay, so practice the nod. There's another one. People that drive Jeeps, always to other people that drive Jeeps, are old, yucky, junky Jeeps, and the brand new, nice, flashy Jeeps. It, it, it's, it's all... 
Also, if you if you live in the country, you, you don't take the you know you have you have the R you know, what the finger yeah and that's not the finger it's it's a good finger um, so you know you know the nod of recognition or a subtle wave it's not hey you know some of you might Chris some of you might do that right <laughs> so this and and for some of you you think oh that's Everybody knows that, but seriously, it is this simple to start to get to know someone that you don't know. You have a place where you go regularly. If you don't have that place where everybody knows your name, if you don't have that cheers, find one. In Jesus' name, find one. I'm, I'm serious, and we're actually, I'm actually going to have a whole Sunday night on that. That's, that's our last one in the series. It's, sociologists call it the third space. There used to be, in our in American culture, uh, there used to be uh, this idea where everybody had a home, everybody had a place of employment, and then everybody had this third space where they also got to interact with people. It was clubs like the Lions, like Rotary, uh, VFW, that sort of thing. There was this third place where everybody knew your name. That is changing today. There still are those, but they're harder to find, and they're a little bit more, but you'll have to come back in a couple weeks. They'll give you more. Okay, so... Number one, you see someone a number of times, you have permission in society to give them the nod or the wave, or appropriately, the finger. Um, if you've recognized their presence a couple of times, so notice this builds on itself. If you've recognized their presence a couple of times, it's socially okay to say hello. Repeat after me, hello. Okay. All right. So, uh, again, not rocket science, but I know that some of you are, are getting sweaty right now just thinking about this. You are actually playing this out in your head and thinking, there's someone who I don't know who I'm going to say hello to. Remember, you see him a few times. After you've seen them a few times, you do this a couple times. After you've done this a couple times, you say hi. Now, see, I'll, I'll get to that. That, that, that's, more, that, that's, that. That's pretty advanced. All right, so number three. Once you've said hello to someone once or twice, it's okay to make comments like, hey, sure is nice today. Repeat after me. Hey, it sure is nice today. Hey. Or, is that book you're reading interesting? And, and in order to do this, they actually have to be reading a book, right? <laughs> My pastor said, that's what I'm supposed to say. It doesn't make sense, but... Okay. So, small talk. Minnesotans, we love to talk about the weather, right? Hot enough for you? <laughs> Cold enough for you? Windy enough for you? You know, <laughs> something like that. Okay, so... You've seen them multiple times. You've given yourself whiplash a few times. Uh, you've said hello, number four. After you've broken the ice, you can introduce yourself. I'm Greg. Repeat after me. I'm Greg. It only works for a couple of us. Greg, would you consider yourself an, an extrovert? No? Okay. All right, but you did that very naturally. I was impressed. 
Alright, so after, now, now notice, this takes some time. This isn't a quick experiment. And number five, once you're on a first name basis, you have social permission to have normal conversations with them as things develop from there. This is one of those things where the first time someone says, hey, or gives you the nod, you might think, do I know you? But after they, they've done it a, a couple times, it's like, hey, that's the guy who nods. <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. And you, become, you start to recognize and become familiar with. And eventually, if the person nods at you a couple times, it wouldn't be that weird if he or she's come up and said, hey, is that book you're reading a good book? Now... Like Josh said earlier, some of you who are more socially daring can compress steps. Okay? Chris is nodding. Chris is like, I just get, go up and give him a hug. First time I meet him. And, and I give him a hug and say, what's your name? I'm Chris. And she, she's there. You know, but not everybody is as advanced as Chris is in this. Okay? Not, not all of you are as socially daring, but... You know, if, and if you're a little bit more socially introverted, feel free to, to take a month just at the nod. You know, it, it may, may take a little bit longer. Uh, I just want to clarify something with the nod. Mm-hmm. An up nod is what's up. A down nod is what's down. Mm-hmm. Right, get a reply if you up nod. We'll see, which, which is why I up nod, right? Because, because I'm a little bit more socially daring. And, and I want it to pro- progress quicker. So, so we're, we're going to try, try to do this both ways. So first of all, what's up? And then what, what, how would you translate this, the down nod? Hey. 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 All right, so, so try, the, try the hey nod. It's like a, a virtue gaze. The uh, biking. Uh-huh. When you see the biker coming along, you go. Just ahead. Yeah, it's Acknowledging presence. Okay, see, you guys know this, but doesn't it kind of help to see it in the steps? If not, I've just wasted seven minutes of your life that you'll never get back. And that's what I have for content. Like I said, it's going to be shorter. But always, I I want to hear you interact with this. Um, Where are we on time? We're already at 7.04. Um, there are a couple questions up there if you want to respond to those. Any other thoughts about this uh, seeking the welfare of your city or getting to know someone and going from complete stranger to having a conversation with someone? Does that seem to work? Any feedback? Everybody's got an opportunity in two days. Everybody has an opportunity in two days? What? Why is that, Shane? Neighborhood night out. Is your neighborhood doing a neighborhood night out? (laughs) Well, you average us out because Carrie and I didn't get invited to none. We, we, I I actually saw a flyer and thought, oh man, I should have done something because I know we've been in the, we we haven't, it would have been a perfect opportunity to do it, but I was not up for it. And we still could. 
I still could. Carrie's got a crazy busy week for catering. I, I, we have an advisory team meeting. We didn't. So you might have the opportunity in two days. You might not. The more and see, this is what, in all seriousness, this is one of the things I do not like about the American church. American Christians are at church too much. And I think it is rather ironic that the advisory team of our church working to get to know people who don't know Jesus on National Night Out are hanging out together. <laughs> it could be. Thank you. Any other thoughts, comments? Do you think it's easy to make friends and learn people's names? No. No? Okay. I think sometimes it's easier for kids. It depends on the kids, though, right? Okay. Proximity. Mm-hmm. Her third space. Yep. Mm-hmm. Third space. Yeah. Are you looking forward to this homework assignment? All right. Each day this week, uh, and again, these these possible. Uh, missional living homeworks are available on the back side of the, of the bulletin uh, if you want to take these home. Each day this week, take some time to read the paper, to watch the evening news, followed by praying for the welfare of your city. There's lots that we can be praying for. Um, and when your heart gets moved, you might be surprised that you actually want to get up from where you're praying and go do something. And By all means, follow that impulse. So that's, that's one opportunity. Uh, a second option for homework. Each day this week, pray for the people who live on your street. Specifically, pray for them by name if you know their names. If you don't know their names, you don't know how. <laughs> pray for their physical and spiritual well-being as, as well as uh, any trying situation that they're facing that you might be aware of. Are you aware of trying situations facing them? Most likely not. Yet. When we as missional Christians learn to live like Jesus, we will know when our neighbors are struggling. Because we'll be praying for them, we'll be interacting with them, we'll be caring for them. Sometimes we'll know supernaturally and God will just give us the download. Other times we'll know because we talk to them. That's what I want us to do. That's how I want us to live. Not next Sunday, but the week after, we are going to be doing another one of our neighborhood listening activities. This time it's in your own neighborhood, rather than Centennial Lakes, which is where God has placed on my heart. If that Sunday night doesn't work, still do it sometime. And maybe don't do it alone. Invite someone else into your neighborhood. And then do this a couple times. Your neighborhood and someone someone else's. But I'm I'm saying that now. So if 
you know you're going to be gone and you'd like one of these, you can print it off our website. I'll have links or you can grab my one copy that I have with me. Um, we'll have more for you next week. Any other thoughts or comments about this? I really like what you're saying. Um, one of the things that we just, I think, maybe absorb more is just how much following Jesus is about being in relationship mm-hmm. um, and how challenging that is because sometimes you just don't really want to care. Mm-hmm. It's much easier just to be doing your own. We live in Haiti and we have, to, we have to fight to stay engaged because sometimes it's too hard to care. Um, but that's what God has asked us to do, and so continually stepping out. I love this encouragement. I don't think, you, I mean, you, we can always get better, always, learning how to be more in relationship with people. I appreciate your honesty. How many of you don't really want to care about your neighbors? <laughs> you know what? Thank you for your honesty. It's hard. I want my life to be about me. And my couch and my TV on my station. What I want it. You know, it, seriously, the, there are times when life can do that. And we get all sorts of reinforcement from culture, from our society. And this is one of those places where Jesus followers get to be different. This is one of the ways that we get to be salt and light. And people say, hey, there's something different about you. No other neighbor around here cares about me. But you ask and you actually seem interested. All of a sudden, we as Christians have something to offer. And it's not about inviting them to a church where they wouldn't feel comfortable. It's about bringing Jesus to where they are. And so part of the first thing we get to deal with is (laughs) confessing to God, I don't really care about my neighbors. That gets back to the Jeremiah 29 thing. Seek the welfare of your city. Pray for your neighbors. Get to know them. And in doing so, you will also be blessed. It's not easy. It won't always be fun. But it will be good. And you will see God using you in increasing measure. Which is good. And we, as a church, bless them with this blessing that we ourselves give and receive every week from number six. If you don't know it, it's on the screen. But this is the way that we bless one another. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great day.